Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and we've come to day 221, Numbers 25. Got a nice cup of coffee going, and uh, we're ready to dig in to God's Word together. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you for the gift of a new day and another opportunity to gather together and to seek your face. We pray that you would bless our time together and write your Word on our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Numbers 25. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to sacrifice to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron and the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were twenty-four thousand. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. The name of the slain man of Israel, who was killed with the Midianite woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, chief of a father's house belonging to the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zer, who was the tribal head of a father's house in Midian. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and strike them down, for they have harassed you with their wiles, with which they beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister, who was killed on the day of the plague on account of Peor. So, Numbers 25. We've, we've continued on, immediately following the story of Balaam and Balak. And this is in the same place and in the same context. So remember that, that Balak was a Moabite king, and he had invited Balaam to come and curse the people of Israel and offered him large sums of money and great honor to do so. Balaam was unable to curse the people of Israel, although it seems fair to say that he wanted to. He was a, he was a man who was for hire. 
His heart was set on money. He did go with them. And obviously his heart was not right for the angel of the Lord was going to strike him down. But his donkey prevented his death three times. And God opened the mouth of the donkey so that he could speak to Balaam and explain to him that God was standing in the way to judge him uh, because his heart was not right. Now, Balaam only spoke the words that God gave to him. So we have four oracles of Balaam that are given to us in chapters 23 and 24 that we looked at a couple days ago. And those are good. Those are words from God and those are words full of truth. But that doesn't mean that Balaam himself is innocent. Why am I lingering on Balaam here? We're, we're done with Balaam, aren't we? Uh, no, we're not. Because what's not said here in Numbers 25 is that this scheme where the people of Moab began to entice the people of Israel to whore with their daughters and sacrifice to their gods, this scheme was actually put together by Balaam, the prophet, and presented to Balak. Now, how can I say that? It's nowhere in the passage. Well, of course, I can't make up things that are not in the Bible, so it's nowhere in this passage, but if we check some other scriptures, we'll see what's going on here. Just uh, six chapters later in Numbers 31, a passage we'll get to in, in a short time, we read of how the people of Israel had warred against the Midianites. So here at the end of chapter 25, they're being told, harass the Midianites and strike them down. And so in Numbers 31, they have strike, struck down the Midianites. And verse 8 says, they killed the kings of Midian with the rest of their slain, Evi, Beckham, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian, and they also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. So Balaam was still there, and they killed him along with the kings. Why? Well, verse 16 tells us, these daughters of the Midianites and of the Moabites, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. So it was on Balaam's advice that this whole scheme was concocted. And we have further confirmation of this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, where um, the church at Pergamum is being warned and chastised by the Lord. So Revelation 2, 14 says, But I have a few things against you, that you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So it was an issue in the early church, in the Roman pagan cultural context of the first century church, that some of the Christians thought, well, I have liberty in Christ, I'm free in Christ, Therefore, I can go to a pagan temple, I can eat the meat that was sacrificed to idols, and I can even engage in sexual immorality with the cult prostitutes because I have freedom in Christ. Now, in Acts 15, the uh, Jerusalem Council specifically put an end to those kinds of practices, but they were still being practiced when the book of Revelation was written. So we, so we don't see Balaam here in 25, but we know that this is Balaam's scheme. Balaam has taught Balak to do this. Why? Why would Balaam want to see the people of Israel, whom he has now blessed four times, why would he want to see them engage in sexual immorality? 
Well, I think there's a simple answer, and there's a little bit of speculation as to the motivation behind it. The simple answer is this. What does Balak want? Balak wants Balaam to curse the Israelites. Balaam is a true prophet. He is anointed by God. He is gifted by God to speak the oracles of the Lord. He's not one who just makes up whatever he wants to say. But he also knows that there's more than one way to bring a curse upon a people. And so in his mind, he's thinking, well, I can't curse them verbally. I can't pronounce a curse upon them because that's not what God has given me to say. That's not what God's word is. But if they're unfaithful to Yahweh, if they're faithless, then they will be cursed, right? Because God will turn aside from them. So this is Balaam's scheme. Get them to engage in idolatry and sexual immorality, and God will curse them. Why would he do it? Well, for money. We're told other places in scripture that Balaam loved money. So he didn't want to go home empty-handed. And this was a way for him to get some money. Now, it seemingly works. We could say on the surface area, like, okay, seems to be working. The people of Israel go along with it. And there's a plague that comes. And this plague ends up killing 24,000 of the Israelites. The plague is stopped when Phineas, Aaron's son, comes up and he sees this man. He sees this man, uh, Zimri, the son of Salu, chief of a father's house of the tribe of Simeon. He's taking a Midianite woman right in the sight of Moses, right in the sight of the whole congregation, as they're weeping over this plague and as they are pleading before the Lord, he takes this woman right into his tent. And this is too much for Phineas. So he grabs a spear, he goes in, and he just thrusts them both through. And she turns out to be the daughter of a chief, uh, a tribal head in Midian. And so this is, this is something that stops the plague. It brings a blessing upon Phineas's household because he is going to um, basically have the priesthood, uh, the, the Aaronic Levitical priesthood is going to descend now from uh, from the line of Phineas, not Hophni. So this is, this is what happened. So did Balaam's plan succeed? No. It is true that if we disobey the Lord and we're unfaithful to the Lord and we engage in idolatry, there are consequences. There are curses in the consequences. But in the bigger picture, God still loves his people. God is still jealous for his people. Phineas is commended because he is showing the jealousy for the Lord and Israel's relationship to the Lord that is that, that the Lord has for Israel. The Lord wants Israel as his bride. He has called and chosen and redeemed Israel to be his bride. And no loving and faithful husband wants to see his bride openly sleeping and cavorting with other men. Right? I mean, that would be, what kind of a husband would it be who would just be okay with his wife sleeping around openly and unashamedly? And that's what's behind this. And whenever we see this idolatry, we need to realize that idolatry is spiritual adultery. 
And that reminds me of something that the Lord would say to us. And that is in James 4, verse 4. The Lord would say to us, You ask, and you do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Verse 3. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We may not have the bale of Peor, but we have the American dream, political power, quest for fame, uh, wanting acceptance by others, wanting... We have worldliness, right? All these patterns of worldliness. And if they get a hold of our heart and they lead us to be like the world and not like the Lord, then that is idolatry and that is spiritual adultery. But there is one faithful one. And God never changes. God never breaks his promises. God never turns back from his love for his people. He disciplines, yes. But he is committed as our heavenly husband. And the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled the covenant obligations and went to the cross to cleanse us of all of our sin and all of our backsliding. And he is our faithful husband. And if we will repent of our worldliness and turn back to him, he will graciously restore us because he loves us and he is ours and we are his. But worldliness is adultery and it needs to be repented of. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love faithful and strong and true. Thank you for your redemption, complete in Christ. Thank you for the persevering love and grace which you show us as Jesus never stops praying for us and you never stop being gracious to us. Forgive us for times when we are tempted to worldliness. Draw our hearts back to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, tomorrow we're moving on to Numbers 26. Hope you can join us for that. As always, have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.